Ladies and gentlemen, this episode is proudly presented by Spartan Combat. Spartan Combat has an awesome crew neck. And everyone knows I'm a sucker for a good crew neck. Go to SpartanCombat.com, click on Athletes, click on Kyle Dake, and you'll see the crew neck there. It's a beautiful, very simple-looking crew neck. I think you'll love it. It's 50 bucks. Check it out at SpartanCombat.com. Now let's get to the show. It does show you that accountability at an early age. Like, damn, like, I knew what I was trying for because I feel like I was tougher than this kid, but he was obviously tougher than me. He won the match. We're 70 pounds. We're both yep. 10 years old. This is the fairest, fairest match you're going to get. And uh, when a kid beats you, it, it, so you, you start hitting that accountability early in life, I feel like. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's it's five percent of the ingredient it pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort it humbled me taught me humility nothing can hit humble you more than wrestling i think it's the learning to adapt right you learn you learn how to adapt you learn how to solve problems you know if i look back my time i spent wrestling if it gave me one thing more than anything else it's mental toughness Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. This is your host, Ryan Warner. Thank you so much for tuning in. I say it each and every week, but it really does mean the world to me that so many people tune in consistently to hear these stories. Today's guest is Brandon Wright. Brandon was a two-time NAIA national champ for Grandview, a two-time Indiana state champ, a Fargo cadet national champ, and the son of the great Tim Wright, who was a guest on this show back at episode 229. For a quick reminder, Tim Wright, Brandon's dad, was the first four-time NCAA champ ever. He did it in Division II in the 80s, and then Pat Smith did it, of course, in the uh, in the early 90s at the Division I level. Awesome conversation here with Brandon. I hope you enjoy it. Fan of the Week goes to our friend Mark Corker, He's a businessman up in Canada, a software salesman, so we got a lot in common there. He claims he was an average high school wrestler, but it had a huge impact on his life, and he loves the show. Mark, thank you so much for tuning in. And folks, as mentioned, this episode's brought to you by Spartan Combat. They're one of our original partners and do a fantastic job helping to support this show. Please pay them a visit at SpartanCombat.com. Now let's get to the show with Brandon Wright. Brandon Wright, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate being here. It is awesome. And you know, for folks who, who don't know, Brandon is the son of Tim Wright, who's been on the podcast. And Tim Wright is a, you know, a legend from where I'm from, the Quad Cities part of Illinois. Brandon grew up in Indiana. And uh, man, it's just good to have you on the podcast. Man, it's blessed to be here, man. It's a great opportunity for, uh, for the brand and uh, myself. 
Yeah, let's let's talk about right way wrestling, man. So you had a, a storied career and we're going to talk about all of that. But how did you come to find uh, found right way wrestling? So um, in my early years, you know, Pops always coached. Um, he, he was the creator of right wrestling, you know, um, the right way, what he used to call it back in the day. He did camps and clinics and a lot of private one on one training. So I, I've always um, I grew up with my Pops just being, um, you know, seeing him, you know, manifest this thing and. Not maybe not having a whole lot of support, but uh, he's a guru when it comes to wrestling. When it comes to technique, you know, um, he's, he's I call him the sensei. He's like a sensei when it comes to technique. He knows all kind of ways to. He knows he knows, and I seen him uh, do a lot of private training growing up, and um, that's what I'm doing now. I do a lot of small groups. I'm growing into a um, a youth group and stuff like that. We're growing to a youth group in different locations, but I've always done a lot of private training. So um, and I picked that up from him. And what what was his approach to wrestling as a kid? Like when he was coaching you, like what um, were some of the first things he did with you? Always wanted to get me stronger. His, his mentality was always, you know, before we even get out here. And, um, and I was always naturally a strong kid, you know, growing up in Rock Island, you know. I lived in Rock Island until about um, eight or nine before we moved to Annapolis. So, like, my pops would always have me, like, just doing push-ups for, like, neighborhood friends. So, like, I always remember, like, him always, like, making sure, like, you wanted your body physically ready for wrestling before you even get to the sport. You know, so um, that was like this. I had to beg him, you know, to to let to let him know that I was serious to start doing it. You know, right about when we moved to Annapolis, kind of uh, I got started. And I, uh, he was just big on my pops is like a, you know, he's a psych guy, man. He's like he's big mentally. You know, he as as aggressive as he is, his mind. He, so he was always big on like, um, if you want to, you know, you'll, you'll work hard enough. You know, it's simple. You know, work hard and um, you know. Uh, that, that's how he was, you know, are you working hard enough? You know what I'm saying? Are you being lazy? You know, can you do more? You know, so uh, that was always his mentality. Uh, when I first got into it, you know, and loving it, you know, making sure that, because if you loved it, it would, it would go longer ways with you. And um, I kind of always have had, you know, strong, strong love for sport because of that. So how, how was he a, a master of the mind and the mental game? So he know how to, how to push oh, you and those kind of things? So he was big when I started actually training on my own, independent, you know, middle school, you know, do my own little runs, really, really, really high school, get my own runs in. I'd come back from runs and possibly like, oh, you, you, didn't, you didn't get a run in. I'm like, man, I'm, I just got two mile run. I'm sweating. So I'd go take off again just because I, I wanted to show him too that I was working, you know, and that kind of, even though I was working my ass off, you know, I, I, I always wanted my dad to validate that I was working hard, you know, because if he validated, then I knew I was in the right position to win. And what, you know, when you think about Tim Wright's technique vocabulary, what are a few that, that really resonated with you and that you adopted as kind of your own? Set it up, man. If you're going to set it up, man, we, uh, he, yeah, that was, we're big on um, the style, even with me coaching my guys now, you know, we don't do no diving. We want to make sure, you know, we get in, we're going to set things up and we want to have a strategy to win it, you know, and with different opponents, you know, you might have to have, to have a different approach. And my pops is always good at setting strategies with different um, guys that I, I maybe have to approach. You know, I wasn't big on studying other opponents, but he would come to me, let me know, uh, we only going outside singles. We only going high cards. You know, we only going doubles. <laughs> we're, going, we're going drags. And that's how I would approach the match, and we'd get the W. Man, dude. Can you imagine being in a corner and having Tim Wright as your coach? When, when did you realize his legacy in wrestling? Honestly, I'm glad you asked that question, man, because – I just told him last yesterday during Christmas, you know, it took me to actually get to 
you know, to college to realize who my dad was and what he had accomplished and how big a feat that was. Because growing up in Rock Island, you know, my dad was, he was a well-known guy. Like, I didn't know who he was in the sport of wrestling until middle school. You know, he would tell me, he would tell me right off the bat, like, these are our goals. You're going to be a four-time state champ, a four-time national champ. And I'm just like, all right. So I want you writing this down. This is, I'm like 12 years old. He's telling me this. So I'm writing it down like all the time, everywhere. And I'm just like, not knowing that he's done, he's a four-time national champ. Like I'm just <laughs> first one ever. I'm not even really knowing it, you know? And um, so that was, uh, I didn't know until after I got to college, about, after JUCOs, when I was in JUCOs, I was central. I kind of realized like, man, you did some legendary shit, man. You know, like this is, I than you, you know, this is, this is, this is a large feat, you know? Um, and that kind of was my goal when I got into sport, though, wrestling. I was like, I want to be better than my dad. I want to be, I want to, you know, I, I didn't know that he was one of the best ever, ever, you know, right. the first ever. So, yeah, so that was, um, yeah, during that time in Juco, I realized, you know, just got to make a, make it a vehicle for yourself, man. And you know, so that's what I kind of did start doing. And for folks who maybe aren't familiar and know what we're talking about, Tim Wright was a two-time Illinois state champ and more historically was the first four-time NCAA champ ever. He was at the Division II level at SIU Edwardsville in the 80s, but at that time, Division II wrestlers could wrestle at D1s, and he was also an All-American at the D1 level. What war stories did your pops have from, from his days? Did he ever share anything with you? Yeah, man, we were just talking the night, too. Um, um, you know, he he's six-time All-American, man, so getting third twice at D1s, you know, and winning at four is just like, he, we talked about the story, you know, um, with, you know, Iowa State wanted, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big NCAA fan, you know, I know NCAA wrestling a lot, you know, um, from the history of, especially after I got out of college and, you know, the 80s, and I realized, you know, um, the legacy has attached so much families in the, in the you know, in the wrestling, the wrestling world, and, you know, he, he was the number one seed, uh, number one, ranked number one at 126 his senior year, and he said he had wrestled Billy Kelly early that year and tied with Billy Kelly. And Billy Kelly in the, in the win that 26 that year, 87, Iowa State ended up winning the, the team title. And I was like, man, can you imagine if you just would have went 26 and just, he said, yeah, be Billy Kelly. And, you know, maybe Iowa State never, you know, wins that title. I'm like, that's the, that's the beauty. And, um, you know, of course, he doesn't want, he doesn't rewrite history of him being his first four-timer and going 18. But obviously, I believe he could have won that 26 and D2s and maybe would have been a little bit of more stronger and suit towards the end of the year uh, going to, um, going towards the D1s. But, yeah, that story we talk about, man, um, story he was at D1s, and I think he uh, – it was sophomore year, junior year, where he, like, passed out, cutting, making the cut, and woke up and found out he missed weigh-ins. No. You no, know, that was it. That was, like, I think uh, maybe sophomore year. Or maybe it's June, when it's junior. I think he got – for the senior year he got third, maybe sophomore year he got third. Maybe it was his junior year, man, where he was at D1s that he was cutting. I don't know about this till later on. Later on, he's like, yeah, and I was making my last cut there, passed out. He said he woke up in a jerk and said, I got to get the weigh-ins. They were like, man, no, man, dude. You know, and that was back in how those weight cuts were back then, you know, brutal. So, yeah, that was um, just a little story, man, just hearing, you know, um, what he had to kind of go through. And uh, you just tell him he was just so in love with it at the time, man. And that's what he would always preach to me, man. Just when you love it, you're willing to do whatever it's needed to, you know, be the best. And he was a guy who – could have easily, like you said, won it at the Division One level. And I just want to go back to something you said there. So his senior year at SIU, did he go 118 or 126? No, he went 118 all four years. 
And then he jumped up to what weight class for? So so he, he go one eighteen his senior no, year so at D ones as well. Yeah, so he started his um senior year at twenty six. Got it. Okay. Year and wrestled. I think Iowa State in a duel. Yeah. Bill Kelly earlier, and they had ties back then. So I think he had a tie in three three. Got it. Um. Yeah. So that's. Later and then that he year, went though. back down. Then he went down for the team. Yeah. Got it, man. God, I mean, that was just so fun hearing about him on the podcast and. You know, one of the times he got in the sauna and, and one of the guys who was like ranked number one in his weight was in the sauna and, you know, a little smack talk ensued. And I, I could just you know, just yeah. imagine, you know, what it would have been like to watch him. Um, and so you're growing up, you're starting to realize how legendary your dad is. And then you get into high school and you have a legendary career in your own right. How did you decide to go to Cathedral? Um, So my pops, you know, um, he was originally coaching at um on the east side of this high school called Warren Central, where I ended up transferring my senior year. Um, but he got the opportunity to coach at Cathedral. You know, they reached out. They kind of recognized, you know, um, his pedigree, you know. And, um, you know, because my pops have an educational degree, they you would, you would think, you know, a guy like him would have the easiest time getting a high school head job, you know. But they um, they have their little stipulations, you know, with, you know, um, the, ed- the you know, how things are set up in the um, educational field out here and across America, you know, where – you know, some guys that are actually qualified, they got some dads in there just, you know, or guys probably more passionate for the right guy for the job. They got some other guy in there just, you know, just doing it. And um, so when he uh, got the opportunity to go to Cathedral, he's coached there um, my seventh and eighth grade year. And, you know, it was far fetched me going to school there. I mean, I wasn't no like brainiac, you know, I'm a, I'm a East Side kid. You know, I was just, you know, see average student, you know, and um, we knew it was a college preparatory school and my pops knew it was going to be the greatest opportunity for me getting set up in life, you know, and, um, you know, so we went out to the whole placement process. I took tests and I had to wear uniforms and it was a huge transition for myself, man, you know, and I Why really, do you say uh, that? Huh? Why do you say that? Uh, because, you know, it was a private school, you know, I, I'm, I'm really from a public school setting. I'm just seeing a lot of black kids, you know, like uh, now I'm around like, you know, white kids. I mean, these kids are driving, some of my friends are driving BMWs that are, they're, 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 I mean, they're driving cars. They're nice to my parents. I'm hanging out in, you know, in areas that just, you know, are just like the, the luxury life, man. That's thing I was not used to, but I'm so appreciative of, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, um, I still have great friends and I still have great ties with Cathedral. Me and my, me and my father do, and I do a lot of privates with guys. I go to Cathedral High School and, uh, they've been so supportive in the, the right wrestling, like the transition. So you got, there it was a pretty big culture shock just from the get go. Yeah, man. So it's like, uniforms, you know, that was a big thing, you know, I, I was, I was the type of guy, you know, I like those school fresh, you know, and that was like the first thing, how strict they were on uniforms, you no, know, no shirt tucked in, no chewing gum, you know, um, you know, and I was, you know, I, I did get, you know, little, little tiffles, you know, they, they thought I was a little, a little knucklehead, which I was, you know, but, um, ultimately, you know, I, um, I did become so much more studious there and learn how to become more business etiquette and, um, know how to carry myself in, in, in the right settings, meeting the right people, and making the right connections. And that set me up, I think, even though where I am right now, you know, and I think my dad kind of knew that um, in the future. Was it an all boys school? No, it was an all boys school. Um, but uh, thank God, think, right? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was a that's you know, another was, level. Say, you know, we, we had girls, you know, um, well, you know, it, I was used to, you know, sisters. I was used to like, you know, I used to know, you know, um, black girls. And that was, it was a different transition dealing with, you know, <laughs> it was different, man. You know, it was, you know, but I, I like I said, here, another here or there, I, it was a big lesson learned for myself. For me, it felt like I went to college at like 14. 
you know, because how rigorous the, the, the education was um, on top of, you know, the standard expectation of the training in the cathedral's room, you know, even though my dad's a guru of wrestling technique, I mean, cathedral, they, they've always had a, you know, strong wrestling pedigree and they still do to this day, you know, work ethic in that room. And, um, you know, we have a great history, you know, um, behind that program. I need to be set straight on the Indiana high school scene because I did not know that there's only one class in Indiana. Yeah, man, Indiana's really cutthroat, man. I tell guys that I don't, you don't, you don't realize it until um, like you go to college. You know, when I'm now that I'm in, I'm in college and I'm realizing, you know, this guy's state champ, this guy's state champ. I'm like, how are all y'all state champs? You know what I'm saying? Like, what's going on? Like, how you guys go from your to state champ? You guys go from, you know. PA to state champ, and I started to realize, oh, they got classes everywhere else. And it realized, then it, I started recognizing, like, man, it's it's an honor to be, you know, we're not the hardest, um, we're not probably top five, you know, um, slowly creeping up to, you know, the top 10, I would believe, Indiana, um, as far as, you know, the high school scene. But, um, you know, you, you definitely sense, you definitely sense, man, that there's no wrestlebacks in the semi-states. There's no wrestlebacks the first round. Like, you got to be, you got to be sharp. You know, Indiana, you got to be sharp. You got to be ready. So these guys that have been four-timers, these, you know, the Angels, the, the, the Reds, the, you know, these guys like Circuses, you know, um, these guys wrestled, you know, they were on point, you know, throughout this whole post-series. There's no mistakes to be made, you know, if you want to be a four-timer in Indiana. What's a semi-state? Is that the round before state? Yeah, so we go sectionals, regionals, semi-state, and then state. And you have to win semi-state or you have to finals? place top so top four go from semi-state. Dang. Dude, so that's... top four go from semi-state. You got four semi-states going to the tournament. When you wrestle a four, two wrestle a three, first round. Got it. Okay. And so you and you get down to state. And like you said, maybe there's not it's Indiana's not the biggest state, right? So maybe it's not the deepest. But if you think about all those guys coming through one state, there's no room for air, you know. Yes, that's what the biggest I realized, man. It's uh, yeah, no room for air, and gotta be sharp, man. You gotta be sharp and um, ready to go. And I I had read that in in your high school career, three of your finals you wrestled the same guy. Is that right? We wrestled in the finals of the regionals, semi state, and the state tournament three years in a row. Dude, every that's weekend, nine matches. Every weekend we wrestled. Every weekend the postseason regionals. Everyone knew it was going to happen, you know, it's Camden and, you know, Wright's, you know, Eppert and Wright, you know, and um, he definitely kept me sharp, man. He definitely, um, you know, he's always a guy that you want um, in every champions, you know, a champion series, you know, sometimes you can find yourself a guy that they're so far ahead of the pack, they're just chasing their, you know, they're just chasing their own legacy. Well, he was a guy that was so close, you know, I was so close, you know, we just knew that there's some guy, you know, ain't no off days, you know, there's somebody, he's right there, you know, and um, we were that for each other throughout my high school career. How, so what happened when you guys wrestled in the state finals? So ironically, my um, uh, junior year, freshman year, he beat me um, 6-3. I ended up uh, getting the first takedown and just kind of just was choked, man. It was just like, and I, I say this day, I told my kids about it, you know, everything that me and my father had been for talking about and for wishing, it was right there. And I, he shot a shot. My dad had this three yards go over and just throw bys. My dad had me doing so much that I wouldn't even, like, I was hitting and I wouldn't know I was hitting. And boom, I hit it on him and I was up 2 0. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, four time state champion. It's coming. Like, it's coming. And then, you know, fell asleep and got taken down the edge of the mat, ended up losing the match 6 3. 
and would just uh, at the end of the match, I ended up snapping my elbow, fracturing my elbow, um, trying to hip toss into the, the match, and couldn't wrestle that whole summer, and um, just was off in a cast and how you know, often, put a little how, weight on. How much was that match in your mind all summer as you were rehabbing? Oh man, it was it was definitely a pushing force, man. It was I was so I was happy, but I recognized that man, I, I got too satisfied. And then, like, I let one of the titles slip away. That'd be that now I'm working for for like a lifetime. I let it, and I can't get that one back, you know. And um, following the year, man, I ended up bumping up, going to 12. And I really wasn't a big, I really wasn't a big three pounder or a 12 pounder. You know, I didn't cut much weight. You know, I didn't cut much weight at all in my, you know, my high school and college career. And um, end up beating him. You know, that that final that second year in the finals at 112. Ended up getting two takedowns in the finals. It was a dominant win. You know, I, I kind of showed that like, I was honestly after that time, I had kind of showed what I was better. I had won that match on throughout the final year in the his senior year, my junior year. And he um he strategized the match really different. You know, I I it was just tap hip tap, hats off to his corner and him, you know, and they uh he rolled he rolled the, the out of bounds line real hard and um he threw legs. He really wasn't throwing legs hard because I was always able to get out. He was throwing legs, kind of doing this, this giddy back, hop on my back. And yeah, man, long story short, went like triple overtime. And I ended up uh Damn. I ended up losing a heartbreaker. And um, yeah, it was a great story for him to end his career, man. But just like I just knew it, this is gonna be one I would never, ever, I still think about. I would never sleep it off, never sleep it off. You know, it's a, it's a drive, it was a driving force my whole career. Um, you know, Which was a bigger turning I, point, the freshman loss or the junior year loss? Definitely the junior year loss. Because I knew that I was better when I had just made mistakes. And at that time, I was 16, 17, you know, like all high school kids, now that I'm dealing with them, and there's, there's a certain ego that comes around a 17-year-old, 16-year-old. I think they know what they know. And I was getting kind of far from my pops' his, um, his lessons and his sermons right around that time when I lost that title. And it kind of resonated with me that I was I was kind of being a know-it-all. And I just lost another one, you know, another title that we were like in, on the legacy of getting. So that was a that was a big turn of force with like, you know, recognizing who was my corner, who 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 my possibly is, like, you know, um just being accountable, you know, holding myself accountable to, you know, doing the right things all the time. You know, so what were his some of his lessons that you were getting away from? Oh, just, just knucklehead shit, man. You know, my pops was, he's, he's not going to preach. He, he was big on like, you live and you learn, you know? So he's obviously had his hard lessons in life and, um, you know, growing up in the area I was running from, it's, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, Rock Island's a little different, you know, but, um, and Eastside Indianapolis is, is very similar, I would say, you know, um, with the culture, mm-hmm. you know, with, I had friends that, you know, probably could have got scholarships to, you know, some of the biggest schools, the Big Tens, and some could could have played could have played football down south SEC schools, but you know the the nonsense is close by, the distractions are close by, right? And um, so that's what he was big on, you know. Like, now, Brandon, you got the world, you got the ball, you got it in your hands, you got the you got the whole world in your hands right now. You got it at your balls, you know. What are you, what are you gonna do with it, right? And you know, I I gambled with that sometimes, you know. I made I made some some not so smart choices, and you know, and it uh, I paid the piper for sure. What kind of a mission were you on your senior year? Um, just so my senior year, you know, it was uh that was a big time where 
you know, when I, I kind of had all told you I was dealing with a big culture shock at Cathedral all those years, and I kind of was feeling like I was going to school with the cloak on, and, you know, just, you know, just acting a certain way, presenting myself a certain way. And honestly, this, this isn't who I really am, you know. And after a while, it takes a toll on a child or any, anybody that's going into a place. Because I felt like I was going to school every day at Cathedral, like it was a workplace. I'm 14, 15, 16. And of course, I'm getting in my little troubles and troubles, but, you know, I feel as if, like, man, I can't, you know, even my certain friends, I can't be who I really am, you know. Because when I go back home, it's, you know, kind of how I listen to Tony Davis's story, man, I was like, that sat with me so much. I was like, wow, like, of course, I ain't got to take my uniform off. Everyone knows I go to Cathedral. I'm in the paper and stuff like that. But it's nothing that, you know, you want to brag about to your east side friends that you're going to private school and you sometimes you're hanging out with friends that got BMWs and, and some, so when I got back to going to Warren Central and I came back to the East Side, I kind of felt like more myself, you know, and my, my work ethic hadn't changed. I, I was, I was I still a work animal. I, I love working hard. You know, I had always had that passion to love the progress of working hard. So I think I felt like I had brought that to where I was, you know, and we ended up having a couple of, we ended up having a really good season when I came to Warren. We had another state champ, um, Michael Johnson Jones. And, um, yeah, so I just felt as if, yeah, obviously I got the title. I wanted to make sure that I was dominant. I ended up majoring my guy in the finals, Ethan Rayleigh, who was a respectable opponent. He ended up being, um, ended up being a Super 32 champion and ended up being a two-time Indiana cha- champion. So Damn. I kind of wanted to show, yeah, I kind of wanted to show my dominant force that last state championship match that I was like kind of, I should have been a four-timer, but I just, you know, I had a had a strong rivalry that was in my way. And um, so, uh, yeah. I love how every great champion has a has a rival in in some sense, and uh, when you went to Warren, it was kind of like you took the best of both worlds. You took like the personality and and like who you actually are, plus you know some of the things you learned from from Cathedral, and that's that's just like like you said, that's draining to have to go to work like that every day, ten hours a day as a high schooler. Yeah, man, because I I, I sense you know a lot of people and I you know they they're doing it. I didn't realize that until you know I'm older now. Go to therapy, you realize things about yourself, you realize, you know, once and just, I kind of felt that's how I fully felt. I didn't know if that was true, but I was that's that was facts, you know. And um my and my mom knew I was going through, my pops knew I was going through, but they just knew the opportunity that was at hand. It's just like man, you, you know, these we rank and make great families, you make make traditions, we're just picking up great connections and networking. You know, this is a thing that's good for not just only you, but our family. Yeah. So um so it's uh, a lot for a kid to bear. It is. It is because they didn't. They didn't know how much that I, I had. Kind of. I. Some kids they don't know what they're. What's at hand? You know. I knew when my family left Rock Island that we were coming here to Annapolis, and it was. It was an opportunity at hand. My father we would get good work, and we were going to change our. Everything's going to like change for the better. This was the opportunity, and as I got to Cathedral, I felt like that was another level of it. You know, now Brandon's going to private school, and you know I'm doing really well in the wrestling mat, and I'm making a name for myself, my own name for myself, not just being Tim Wright's son. And I think that um, I didn't want to like, kind of lose that. I kind of was trying, trying to hold on to that. And being able to go back to Warren and be able to relax and breathe. And where I wasn't a delinquent, where they had really kids that were just really into nonsense, you know, where I was respected as a, a student athlete. And, you know, I was looked towards, you know, I was, I was like a role model, you know, which I thought was true. Yeah, man, that is it's just when you put it in that perspective, you really think twice about some of these kids that are going to these boarding schools at such a young age and let alone the ones who aren't even living with family. It's like, man, let's get back to being a kid a little bit, you know? 
I tip my hats off to him, man. Like, I say, I, 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 like, I know about the Blair situation. I know about some of these schools. Or I, only see them. I know that they're doing it. I'm not shy from it. It's just, man, that's just you know, make sure these kids are being kids. Make sure they're having their, their natural experience because um, you know, we all got experience in life. Yeah. And when you were coming up through Indiana, there were some, you know, Search This was a name, obviously, that, that everyone knows. Was Michik coming up at the same time or was he younger than you? Yeah, I think Mitch's was about the same year as um Searches. Couple, they're both a couple years younger. Then yeah. you had Howe on the on the front side, right? Uh, he older than you. Yeah. Howe's about a couple years older. So, like, what's yeah, the youth scene like in Indiana? Is there a pretty structured like state tournament for like the middle schoolers? Yeah, so they have um, ISWA runs a they run a good a good structure. I would say they have the uh, middle school tournament, middle school high, middle school states. I would say which uh, that's ran towards the end of February, and that kind of qualifies you for the middle school national team, which they go out to Danville and compete against some of those other national teams in Illinois and stuff like that. I um, I rushed the search a couple. I think he beat me as a sixth grader when I was in eighth grade to make the freaking middle school team. Damn. Uh, also, it was, and it was the first time I ever heard of him. Like, my dad's like, he's like, um, yeah, because I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know, Jay, I didn't know um, Alex had a little brother. Mm. So I'm like, like, yeah, you know, Alex has a little brother and my dad was like, yeah, my dad was like big up on like letting me know like if the kid was good, my dad would tell me this kid's good, you know. But if the kid wasn't good, he's like, man, you better than this kid go beat him, go beat him, you know. And he started telling me he was like, yeah, he, you know, searches he, he's good, but he ain't good at his brother. Damn, did he lie to me, man? Did he lie? Because we went out there, man. And I, I still remember the match. You know, he was uh, he had this same stance where searches like kind of holds his hand on his front knee, and he would just. He was patting away, and I was even aggressive then where I would just come forward, and I just want to snap at you and then shoot shoot hard attacks. And he had a good circle attack and he had a little carry, and he really wasn't very strong, but he was so so technical, man. And um, and he really broke the match down. I think I ended up losing, like, by one one or two, and he ended up making the – he's only a sixth grader, man. And I was like, like – it is – it kind of – you know, I, I thought I was getting to that right around middle school before high school. You think you're getting to another level. Like, I'm ready to wrestle high school guys. Yeah. Right? You're like, I'm ready to wrestle these high school guys. I'm ready to get to state tournament. I got to – and yeah, you get knocked off by a sixth grader and then recognizing like, I mean, he's from a strong family, you know, Cersei, and I, you know, that whole time, you know, he, he had been training, he had been ready. And um, yeah, so. That what, was would the, school. what would the pop say after a loss? Was he uh, tough on you or was he like good, good in terms of handling losses? Uh, man, it really depends on how I lost, man. Sometimes like most of the time when I lost, when um, I didn't lose a lot of matches where the guy was better than me, my dad believed, you know. If I made mistakes, I mean, I made a mistake, you know, um, and I think that that's that's what he was big on, you know, just kind of let me know, um, gotta work this, gotta work that. He, he would he was, he would break it down, and he would break it down to me, you know, and um, that helped me out so much throughout my high school career. I didn't have that my first couple of years in college, you know, for a guy that um, he built me back up too, you know. But if I if I took a loss like a punk and I was you know, baby about it. He let me know. He didn't candy ass about it. You know, <laughs> you know, he was, uh, he was definitely the real deal when it came to, um, um, and then when I was a kid, I was, I was, a, I was a big boo hooer. you know, a lot of parents don't know if you don't know about youth wrestling, there's, there could be a lot of tears in youth wrestling. And I was real shameful, man, when I would lose, cause I knew, I, I kind of knew that my, my dad was like, was like the man. So I didn't want to lose when he was in the corner. So if that would happen, I would find myself, he'd be like, Hey, don't be boo hooing in front of me. Go find a corner. Get to it and, I, <laughs> and get back to it, you know. And 
And uh, that, that happened so many times from the, the first four or five years when I first got started. It's funny because the parents get better over time in terms of being like, better at, at handling kids with a loss. I'll never forget one time they I do. lost it. In like fourth grade, my dad's, I lost five of them. My dad's like, you can't fucking win if you don't score a point. And that was all I remember. <laughs> <laughs> that was fourth. And then like over time by eighth grade, he didn't even care. Like I would be more upset than he would. I mean, he cared, but he was yep. like, let's go get, let's just go hang out. But uh, no, it was vicious as a kid, vicious. And uh, I'll, yeah, I'll never, yeah. I'll never forget it. And re- I don't know if it's all sports. I think it is all sports, but you know, I've only been around wrestling. So it seems like it's a little more harsh. I, I've been around a lot of you sports and I don't, I don't see many kids boo-hoo like they do in the sport of wrestling. I think that is so important because it does show you that accountability at an early age. Like, damn, like I knew what I was trying for because I feel like I was tougher than this kid, but he was obviously tougher than me. He won the match. We're 70 pounds. We're both yep. 10 years old. This is the fairest, fairest match you're going to get. And uh, when a kid beats you, it, it so you, you start hitting that accountability early in life, I feel like. And that's why some of these kids, they find themselves boo-hooing because they want to win. They want to win, and they recognize, like, man, I just got beat by somebody that's my most even match. If I yeah. can't beat him, then what am I doing, you know? So, and, um, yeah, so I was I was big on, like, I started picking up early on, like, man, like, I was kind of shamed for that because it was my pops was the man. Like, I didn't want to lose in front of him, man. So I eventually grew up, grew up, outgrew it, and, you know, started breaking down and making the wrestling for myself. And then without your pops, you know, being in your corner when you got to Iowa Central, was that a transition? Yeah, man, it was because um, originally my pops wanted me to go to Ren Lake. He didn't want me to go to he, – he, he wanted where, where I was signed to go to I, IU and um, SAT situations and great situations. I said more knucklehead stuff that I had got myself into. So when I decided to go to Iowa Central, my whole thought was, I'm going to go to JUCO. I'm going to the best. Right? And I, I was big on studying programs and history. You know, like I, I was like, I love this I'm going to do. You know, I, I seen who was going to be in the room. You know, Kawan was going to be in the room. I knew that uh, they had a uh, – the Virginia kid that was going to be there, he ended up transferring out. But um, we had a tough, we had a tough throw, man. I mean, Moffitt and Bennett, man. I mean, those guys are like uncles to me to this day. You know, they were they were they were, they were tough on us. They they had they had been through the ringer with so many badasses, and and every time you come in there, you think you're like the you think you're a hot shot, but like they seen them all. They seen the John Jones. They seen the Kane Blast. They seen them, you know. And um, so it was a that was a that was the best decision I, I feel like I really made, man. I got I, when people a lot of people were like kind of upset I went the JUCO route, you know, but that was the best decision I made, man, because, um, you know, Moffitt and Bennett, they handled me the right way, you know, I, uh, and they just, they taught me, you know, they taught me great lessons, man, using, using the, Moffitt told me to use the sport as a vehicle, you know, you know, I, some guys that love it so much, they find themselves in the world holding depression without it, where, you know, when you, you're talented enough, you can use this thing as a vehicle, I mean, you're seeing it now, some of these guys are transferring from here, there, everywhere, and going to Penn State out, out of the blue, you know, and it's just like, yeah, that's that's using as the vehicle, getting putting yourself in the best position. So when you can win, team can win, and you can take it as far as you can take it. So and um yeah, so that was a that was a good transition for myself. Plus, like you learned so much about yourself those first two years. Going D one or going to a big school can be overwhelming. You know, like it it's such it, a crazy period. It would have been for me as well. You know, I was I was just you know I had visited IU. I took a I was getting heavily recruited by. Every school, except, you know, like the Iowa State or Iowa or Oakie State, you know, a lot of other schools would recruit me. And um, um, I took the IU visit and I was just like, man, like, like I was just kind of, I was, this, this campus is so big. Like, I don't even know if I want to, you know, go anywhere. I was kind of set on just staying home. So that's what I was going to do. And because I went to 
I was central and, you know, like I was like a midway point. So that, that was big for me too. So I would always tell myself shooting back home and see brothers and sisters or my aunts and uncles. And like I when I was staying, I was central. I couldn't get all the way back to Indianapolis. And um Bro, Fort so Dodge that, to Indianapolis is a drive. Yeah, it's about seven and a half, eight out, about eight and a half hours. Yeah. <sighs> and I did it, I did it on the regular, man. If I was if I had to get home in, I would I would shoot back home and go see my mom, man. I'll go see I'll, I'll go see my people for sure. I was just out in Fort Dodge interviewing uh, Mark Ostrander and Troy Bennett for the Tony Davis documentary. And yes. Bennett is the man, Bennett bro. Bennett is the man, man. No one, like, uh, he's, uh, man, he, he gave me this, man. I don't know if you guys can see this in the camera, man, but. He, he did? It probably, no, he probably remember, man. See, so, you know, I'm, you know, I'm freshman in Annapolis. You know, I think I'm half-assed tough in Juco room. You know, I'm, you know, I'm talking shit, you know, and. There's a lot of talking shit with you coach, man. And in that room, oh man, it was but you had to show you had to you had to prove yourself. And Moffitt would put his shoes on and get in the Cooey's ass. He would give in some guys' butts that were I thought they were half-ass tough. And um a Cooey was there? And, yeah, so a Cooey was there. Um that was my sophomore year. So my sophomore year, we had the best team that never went to Iowa Central, man. It was me, a Cooey, Cooper, Wilborn, um who else we have the lower and heavier weights? We had uh, some other probably Juco guys that came from heavier weights or transferred in, some D1 guys that transferred in. But yeah, man, we put four in the four in the national finals, man, four in the finals for Juco's and ended up losing it to, I think, LeBet. What? Know, by two points. It was the craziest, craziest finals ever. Oh, um, not Juco. Cooey and uh, Cooper, they're, they used to be you know, really close friends. They're still friends, but man, those are great guys. I didn't know you were there at the same time as them. Yeah, man, they were my little brothers, man. To so to this day, those are my little brothers, man. They were big little brothers because I was like, I was a sophomore on campus, like kind of like it was, it was the culture. He went to Iowa Central, like even this when you when I wasn't there, you know, like pat down is like the culture kind of carries over. It's such a special part to be a part of. You get to you get to be a part of it, and you know, put your if you can go in it there, you might become a legend. You can become all American, like I, I became a two time all American, and um, you know, like. It kind of culture sticks, man. You were you respected, and it was weird because um, when I first came in, Cologne had Joe Cologne was there, redshirting. He was going to go off to you and I, but we trained a lot. You know, he was like a big brother to me. You know, when I was um, in that whole phase of like, you know, how do we kind of more, how do we maneuver through all this whole JUCO process? And at that day, at that time, it was come in, win it. If you if you win it, they'll give you opportunity to redshirt. You redshirt now. You got three years ago to be one and do your thing. And um, that's where the if you come in and you win, that's what the kind of option that guys were working towards. And you know that second year, I could have kind of redshirted, but I won the team title, and I knew who was coming in. Like I knew these boys are coming in; they're about to win, and I'm not going to redshirt and just watch them win it. And you know there could be a lot of lazy shit going on at JUCO if you're not competing. You know, so um, you know right. we had a we would work hard to be a party hard too, though. You know, and that's kind of that. Those my little brothers, man. I was. Trying to maneuver now. I was a fun guy, but I was trying to maneuver in. But you know, Coop and the Cooey, man, those those guys, they're I could always take T under my belt, Wilborn, and be like, hey T, Wilborn, let's and T would always like, hey, I got you. But these but Coop and Akui, they were just oh man, they were they were a fun show. They were a show, man. Them boys Bro, they're wild. Wild boys, man. Yeah. Especially back in the days. Oh my I couldn't God. believe when Coop made the transition to Iowa when I seen him make the transition to Iowa. And I was so proud of him. I seen him at the Midlands uh when I was at GV, when I was at Grandview. And I was just like, he was just a different, like, he was different. He was all business. And I was like, what up? Like, he was just was like, 
back in robot mode and I was like, man, not robot mode, I would say, but just, you know, you know how, you know how the culture is. All right, well, you know, you gotta, you gotta yeah. be about business, you know, you know, and we would, we would bipolar of that when we we're out of Central, you know, so. Um, Bro, I could have seen him going to like Nebraska or somewhere, you know, like, like a little bit more laid back. And I think, you yeah, know, he. Definitely. I was so surprised by that transition after Upper Iowa. And he was. seems like he's doing good at Jackson. I think he's down at Jackson still. And, uh, in yeah, I know he's fighting. Yeah. yeah. He's on the Coach, come up, Coach, man. Coach born, Coach born to fight. I've seen him fight many times. He's born to fight. <laughs> <laughs> i see him fight many times. He's born to fight. Yeah, man, sure. we used to go, my brother and I used to go to IHSA State with that Providence crew for a while, and, and Clamara was part of it. But, like, those three, or Akui was at St. Rita, but in the offseason, we'd all go together. Dude, those three would walk into a gym. Akui... Ed Cooper, Lil Coop, and uh, you know Eddie Clamara, and they wouldn't lose a match, bro. Like they were yeah. filthy. Yeah, they were raw, man. They were raw. And I was cool. central, like you said, man. The tradition it starts in the in the '90s with the great Steve Williams going there, and uh, you know Terrell Sandiford, mm-hmm. and like these Illinois legends. Tony Davis wins it twice, and then UFCU, as I call it, kind of starts with Kane, John Jones, Colby, and then Moffitt comes in. You guys win a ton of titles, and so. When you're there, you're kind of aware of that history and that presence. Yeah, yeah. And the biggest thing for me, because you know, I, I recognize in my pops' career, he was upon, he was on winning, he was on winning teams. You know, and that's that's uh that's big to be a part of. You know, to to win yourself is, is awesome, man. But when you can win with the team, man, it's it kind of it, it sticks forever. You know, yeah. and you guys can share memory so so much longer. So, you know, even though um I got third my freshman year and. Uh, sophomore sophomore year, um, it was very similar to the, the junior year in, in the high school states. You know, I was ranked number one, just kind of had a mental funk and ended up losing to uh, Anthony Abedin. He ended up transferring to uh, Nebraska, ended up being a 41 at Nebraska after JUCOs. But, um, yeah, ended up losing that guy. And, you know, even Moffat had told me before the match, like after the match, he's like, I just kind of see, like, these coaches, the coaches know you, man. He said, I can see a film of your eyes, and I wanted to smack the – I wanted to see – I wish I would have sort of smacked you, woke you up, and and I'd have dropped that match, I think like six four or something like that. And um, and I was I was in the, I was in deep depression after not winning that JUCO title because I just kind of felt like, damn, I just burned two years on on this JUCO thing. I didn't get no titles. I mean, all Americans is cool, but in my house, you gotta get titles. <laughs> you know, like you don't bring you don't, you don't bring third third places back at JUCOs and stuff. So, um, yeah, man, when I when I was getting recruited by by Mitchell and Grandview, you know. I originally didn't go there. I originally ended up going to uh, to Notre Dame College uh, in Ohio after I was central. But um, I'll never forget when Mitchell came in my recruit business when I was at uh, when I was uh, I was central and I was he was at Des Moines, so he wasn't that far down. He wasn't that far away. And who's Mitchell? Course, Grand, uh, the head coach at Grand University. Okay. Definitely got definitely got reach out to that guy. Right, legend. I mean, just side guy. I mean, Coach Mitchell was just a. He's like my, he's like my, remind me a lot of my pops. He's only coach that can remind me that can get me so motivated without cursing me down. You know, just the way he can say things like, I thought this is what you, I thought these are the goals you, you know, just making you, making yourself, making you hold, hold yourself accountable to your own words. You know, he was big on that type of stuff. And um, yeah, well, after that transition of like losing that title with our central, he came in and he was like, you know, it's Penn State recruiting you. And I'm like, no, he's like, it was Iowa recruiting you. And I'm like, no, what the fuck is going, man? And he's like, it's you know, it's Okie State recruiting. He's like, well, these are teams that have like won the Division One title in the last, you know, ten years. These are teams that have the highest odds. And you said that you want to be on a team that wins, wins national titles. 
And he was like, that's what we're going to do. It, man. I just told him, no, if, if I wrestle a non-division one level, I want all the big opportunities. I want to hit the Midlands. I want to hit the, the U.S. Open. I want to get these opportunities. And um, they stuck, they stuck through, they stuck through with that. You know, um, I was able to go to Midlands and, you know, get on the podium, you know, um, competing universities, you know, became all American universities, qualified for the world team trials. It was, uh, I was doing a lot of the stuff that, you know, it was, I mean, I, I, some guys do on the, on the NAI level, the JUCO level, or the D2, D, or it, where it's not common. You know, they're not common. Most guys say, yeah. why is this guy going to Division One?" And for me, lifestyle-wise and culture-wise, it was good for me to go stay on these small campuses and, you know, find out who I really am and not have too many distractions. Yeah, it's like, I've heard so many guys say, you go to some D1 institutions and you're just like another name on the wall. You're like the 145th All-American. But, you know, if you're in a you know smaller culture, everything's a little bit more impactful. And we, unfortunately, I don't think I have time today to go through like the rabbit hole of Grandview, but man, just at a high level, Grandview, like they're dominant in AI, right? I mean, just national title after national title. Yeah. So they just, uh, nine titles in a row, Mitchell got from 2011 to, to last year, life university that winning it. But yeah, they were nine titles in a row. You know, I was part of the, I was part of the fourth, fifth and sixth, or I'm part of the third, fourth and fifth team titles, you know, and I coached one, um, one in 2016, 2015. So, um, yeah, man, it was, uh, they're, they're doing great things out there. And, um, Mitchell's just kind of a guy, you know, it's, it's big, like you said, it's big with wrestling. You know, he's, he's getting to his top D one recruits now that, that, you know, a lot of guys they are recognizing that, like you said, like, I, I didn't think about it until now, like you said, there's some guys do kind of go to a room and they see, okay, like, I can be all American on national champion, but that's along with 70, 80 other, other names, you know, I got a fat head on on Grandview's wall that's bigger bigger than me you know I know it's going to be up there until they tear that place down and um that that definitely does sit well in my heart man that definitely does and NAI is awesome because they can give scholarships you can take multiple guys to the nationals at the same weight and insert at least they used to be able to do that yeah, um, yeah. and so it's crazy growing story. crazy story I might even be able to get, go get ahead go ahead I wrestled my teammate in the national finals at Grandview what? he was returning he was the returning national champion, um, Gustavo Martinez, um, who wrestled in the national finals at 41. I got my first national title. And it was it was like the Camden Epper story all over again, right? Because like uh, I know he's gonna, I know he's gonna be there, you know. We're teammates, you know. So we wrestled in the regional finals where I won that one and we wrestled in the national finals. And that one. And, um, yeah, that was uh Surreal experience. I, I wasn't big on cutting weight, you know. I, I was telling my coach, I'm not, you know, I respect this, but I'm not, I want to kind of feel good. So I was weighing about 47, 48, you know, and I was like, I'm just gonna go 41s. And you know, at first it was a little tiff on the team, but uh, we got kind of got through it. And you know, I knew that we, we got me to I knew we'd be wrestling in the national finals. And I think you know, it was bittersweet for my coach because he just knew, you know, Mitchell knows somebody has to win, somebody has to lose, you know, but uh. For me, you know, it was like I said, I needed that title for, for my legacy, you know. And um, well, after all the all the all the struggles and like, and I, I want to, I, I just got to imagine that first NCAA or NAIA title must have been just like out out of this body kind of feeling. It really was. It really was because um, at JUCO's, my my pops hadn't got a chance to see me wrestle in the nationals. Um, he was coaching his high school season there at Cathedral, and so. Like I say, you know, pops there. You better be ready to perform. You better for a show. He ain't come. He he'll let me know. I ain't coming this. Are you ready? I'm not coming all this way. I here to see you play around. So um, 
and I knew what time it was. I knew what time it was, and I'm not gonna lie, man. I, I really, I really had tapped into a different out of uh, experience through that Grandview that that training phase, and I, I woke my body up. I, my cardio was insane. You know, I got, I became a top rider. I never had something I had never, ever had like learned how to. I, I was working with um. Shout out to Nick Gallick. Nick Gallick. Nick Gallick was living in the one of the time he was coming to Grammy's room, working top of me, just scrapping with me. Um, so like I, I was do, I was going all kind of over beyond. Oh, I want that title, man. I want that title, and it, it was bigger than just being on Grammy's team. I kind of needed it for myself, you know, and in my in my last name legacy. So um, yeah. Was there a big uh, <laughs> was there a big um big moment of reflection for you to like swallow the ego and not go D one? Cause there's so much emphasis on wrestling D one in our sport. And sometimes kids are clouded by it. Man, it, it, it didn't sit with me until after I, I went to the universities when I was still red shirt and I grabbed you. I just transferred to Grandview. I got second universities and I got second at the regionals. I know the plans that I qualified for the world team trials. And I ended up wrestling Coleman Scott first round. And like, I'm just, like I, at this time, like like uh, I listened to your previous shows, like the guys that came up with us, man, international wrestling was not big when we were in high, like when we were in middle school. Like you kind of like I knew some of the international guys, but, like you kind of don't know. Like, even at this time, I'm at, I'm at the world team trials and I'm about to wrestle. I don't I don't even I'm at Okie State. I don't know how big of opportunities actually is really right. And afterward, I, I ended up getting I got I default and Coleman Scott ended up getting hurt, trying to win that match, and I, I got fucking choked out by Simmons. Then I got just trashed by Hallstrasser. Um, so, but after that, there was schools, obviously D1 schools that had me like back on interest. And, you know, I'm pretty sure Manny wanted to meet. There was a couple of schools I wanted to meet. And I, honestly, I was just kind of like, I'm, I'm cool. You know, I think even Mitchell was a little worried that Mitchell's kind of like, man, like, like I think he was kind of worried that my phone was going to be ringing. And I, I, t- I told him, I was like, coach, I'm, I'm off that. Like, that's not. That don't define me anymore, you know, because for so long I felt like I had to go, I had to go D1 to show everyone I was the best to get the NCAA Division One title and to, but it's made me, it's made me a better a coach, a better wrestler. It's made me so much better in the long run. So I've, I've tried to get bigger things. I've tried to get, I want to get the world titles. I want to get the, I want to put guys on the bigger stages, you know. So I think that I want to. Some of my wrestlers know too that I train here now. It's cool if you get the Division One scholarship and you get the division, and that's the and it works system for you, but. Just remember, you know, like Jordan Burroughs has 10 world championships, you know, and I mean, none of those came with one NCAA single, you know, you got to put the, the, the American flag on eventually and go represent the country. And those are the ones that really matter. And, and um, plus how much whole, how much better is it when you're on a winning culture versus on a mid-major team? That's terrible. Yeah, that's, and that's my thing, you know, what, what, and some of these guys, I don't know what they're, I just knew coming from my pops legacy where we like, what I wanted for myself, if I wanted to win, I wanted my team to win. You know, in that cathedral, that's what we, you know, we had a strong team in cathedral when I was in high school. We had gotten third in the state twice. We almost won it. So I was used to being on the, um, and I would say I was central. We had a strong team, you know, that's here with the um, Akui and the boys. And it was like, that's what we, you know, I, I always wanted. So, and if I, of course, I had like Eastern Michigan or Michigan State, those kind of schools I could have probably felt back to after two codes or, you know, um, but it just would have, you know, it'd have been kind of like, man, that's maybe even harder, you know, to get the best, the most out of yourself with just knowing, like, most of those guys, are ride, they're riding on about two or three guys to hold those programs together, you know, some of these programs together, and uh, they don't get no results, man. You know, you, you see what's happening. Bro, there's so nothing more just, uh, depressing than an average team in, like, February when guys are just hanging on, it's really dark outside, and you're just barely getting coach, through. 
it's scary for a coach just knowing like, man, they could come here anytime and be like, hey, you guys are done. You know, like, right. you know, we, we're not seeing results. So, yeah, so going to, going, about to go into Grandview and having that culture of just winning and wanting to be the best. Like, we wrestled Iowa State. Uh, that had this Iowa State my sophomore year, right before I came to the lineup. And we lost Iowa State by three points. You know, we were we Damn. were right there. We they, It was – a lot of teams don't do a Grandview. So, this day, I'm, I'm, I don't know how true it is. But when I was there, a lot of – we couldn't put a lot of D1 schools on our, on our schedule. It wouldn't – you and I's, I believe the you and I's were ducking us. Thinking, I can hold strong to that. Because they'd, like, yeah. they'd be afraid of them because it's that that competitive. I mean, for them, it's like, for them, it's a lose lose. Right. And, and, uh, dude, it pains me. I, I got to jump and we're going to have you back on because I, I you know, you and I have a, a whole, we got a whole plan in motion here, baby, behind the scenes. Yes, but, sir. you know, the other thing I was, I was wanting to talk about, but we'll get to next time is, Man, when your return in 2017, when you're wrestling gross, when you're going to the world team trials, like, dude, that's all, that's all fun stuff that we will talk about. Brandon Wright, two questions left for you. One, where can I get that sweatshirt? Number two, <laughs> how did wrestling change your life, sir? We'll sign off with that. Uh, man, go online, uh, rivalrywrestling.com. Please go online, man. Book me for the traveling commission work, uh, private work. Um, we're doing some huge things out here in Annapolis right now. My wife's partnered up with me with the brand. We've attached a uh, nonprofit to our brand called Right For You. We'll be doing some, some home holistic healing with families and kids, getting kids in the wrestling in front of the inner city. Um, plan to partner with BTS here in 2022. Um, and wrestling didn't change my life. Wrestling is my life, man. It's been my life out the womb. You know, my father's a, a legend. My son, Cosmo Wright, will be coming up in the ranks in about 10 years. You guys will recognize uh Got the legacy series coming with Ryan and wrestling changed my life. And we're, we're excited, man. We're just, we're doing what God is destined for us. Man, BJJ fanatics. We haven't talked about that. You're doing stuff with them. It's like, there's so much, uh, or you, you have in the past and you know, there's so I'm much. Hustling, yeah, uh, I love man. it. And the fact that with you, man, I've been wanting to get some exposure. I've been wanting to, uh, any other podcast, please man, reach out to me as well. I want to, I want to keep sharing my story and I, I'm excited for you to have me Ryan. Thank you so much. Man. I'm blessed. It's an honor. Have a great day, my friend. We'll be in touch soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. This episode was presented by Spartan Combat. Spartan Combat has an awesome crew neck sweatshirt. Go to SpartanCombat.com, click on Kyle Dake, and you'll see the crew neck under his uh, his merchandise there. SpartanCombat.com, the crew neck, retails for about 50 bucks. Thank you again, and we'll see you next time.